Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And I'm joined here tonight by the one and only Mr. James Payne, who is back from holiday. Yes. James, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It was good to be back. God, uh, I can still hear it in your voice. How did you manage to claw your way back into the podcast while still you know suffering from um, illness? I feel I actually feel a hundred times better. Apologies if I may cough, but I, I, you know, I feel I feel I feel good and I feel ready to go. Uh, you know, you can't keep me away that long. Uh, it, it felt really weird last week listening to the podcast as a as a, as a fan, and yeah. uh, you know, I'm back now and uh, off we go. Mate, it felt it felt weird doing the podcast. I mean, like I know I started this thing with just me talking to myself, <laughs> as sad as that sounds. But ever since we've been doing it together, it felt so bizarre to be talking to Harry last week. Big shout out to Harry yeah, as well yeah. for for coming on the show. Um, but yeah, really good to have you. I, back. Actually, know, this- I, I always, yeah, I always said. No, sorry to cut you off there, but I always said if I couldn't do a, if I couldn't give uh, the listeners one hundred percent then of myself then it wouldn't yeah. be right and uh i just felt like that week i i really couldn't i couldn't stop coughing i'm a little yeah. bit better now and uh i'm ready to go well listen mate that's very noble of you um and i actually haven't spoken to you since like two weeks ago so this is the first time i'm listening to in the I, can, voice, I, yeah. I can tell i can really tell the difference but look i'm glad that you made it um because you know Shows not never the same without you. Um, but but to make up for any frailties, we have bought in um some reinforcements. Reinforcements, That's right? We yes. have got we have got another guest. Um, it's not very usual that we have many guests on the show, but when we do, we make sure that we uh deliver the good ones. So um, it gives me real so pleasure nice. to say um that we've got Arsenal Presser, um, also known as AP. You guys know who it is, uh, the very popular character on Twitter. Um, <clears throat> he is a, a decorated individual who writes for uh, the Arsenal Review. He also writes for Sports Skida India, as well as uh, Sports Courant. Um, and he is, yeah, he's very active on, on Twitter. He is one of the main voices that carry many fan sentiments when it comes to Arsenal and it is a real pleasure to have you. Um, thank you for coming on and sparing some time for us. Oh, thank you so much guys. How are you guys doing? Yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. It's great to finally get you on the show. I know we, we've been talking via DM and you, you said, get me on the show, man. I want to come on <laughs> to get, to get it finally done is, is good. So welcome. Now you guys know I'm quite a bit, I'm quite a big fan of your, of your show. Like, I've oh, posted about you guys that, before, man. Like, I, I respect the work rate a lot. I appreciate that. I mean, I mean, you are on the verge of hitting 5k followers on Twitter, literally one away. By the time this is released, you'll get there. Um, I'm sure <laughs> of it. But um, talk to us about your journey as an Arsenal fan. And because um, I know you from your previous uh, Twitter page, which was quite quite a large page. Um, mm. And then for whatever reason, it was taken down. 
And then you came back up again, um, as you do. And, you know, you're slowly but surely um, getting that recognition back for, um, yeah, like I said earlier, just, just for carrying the sentiment of, you know, what fans feel um, each and every day, but in a really lighthearted kind of way. I really appreciate it, the undertone of your tweets and just the general kind of um, soft humour about it. Thank you very much, man. It's one of those things where you just have to use Twitter. We know we've uh, how do how do I put it? You can't take it too serious, man, because end of the day, it's just social media. You know, it's not real life. A lot of us have jobs and people have education outside of social media. So it's one of those things where I just literally tweet some things. I put my phone in my pocket and I come back and I see the mad reaction. But it's um it's just it's just fun, man. You just take it. I don't take it too seriously, man. It's fun. But um yeah, I, I mean I enjoy it though. It's one of those things where you can gauge the kind of the mood of the fan base, you know. If there's certain thoughts I have in my head that I think are a bit wild or I don't know if people will agree, I tweet it out in a jokey way and just see how people react. You know, I have a lot of yeah. good followers that who are you know, very interactive and they've got some very diverse opinions. So it's a good time. I like it. I, I like I like this side of Twitter rather than the toxic side, you know, rather than mm. the abuse and stuff. But no, I have a very good If you want base. toxic, go on Reddit. I tried it for a week <laughs> and I couldn't <laughs> hack it. Um, it mad, yeah? It's crazy. I mean, the, the difference between Twitter and Reddit is like night and day. If you think Twitter is bad, mate, go on Reddit for a week and you <laughs> will... Agree. You will lie there in your bed, looking up into the ceiling, thinking, what, what is life? Why no are these way. people at my throat for it? Yeah, it's so critical. It's unbelievable um, for saying anything. But, you know, that's I've stopped. I've stopped using it. I mean, it took me a week. Um, also, <laughs> I thought gone. I'd give it a go. But then I was like, yeah, nah, leave it. Um, but Twitter, yeah, Twitter, Twitter is a, it's, it's, it's a very... It's a very interesting space because there's so mm. much, you know, perspective and there's so, so many angles mm. um, and you grasp it quite well, actually. You gauge it quite well. Um, Thank so you, man. Tell, tell us, um, yeah, t- just give us a brief sort of intro- history on, you know, your um, fandom experience, your your timeline of how you became an Arsenal fan and um, some of the highs and lows. Yeah, for me, it all started... Um... You know, it's, it's, it came from my dad, really. You know, he he came to this country. Um, uh, well, he came from Germany, but he's Nigerian. So he came here and obviously, you know how it is with ethnic minorities and, you know, black people. When you see certain sportsmen on the TV doing well, your own kind, you know, you kind of mm. gravitate towards those. So obviously at the time for my dad, it was Ian Wright on the TV that was prospering. So, you know, he he became an Arsenal fan. He fell in love with the club and he, you know, he he put that on me and my sister. Obviously, it's one of those things where I was born um, in Edmonton. So I was born, well, technically I was born closer to White Hart Lane than Highbury, but yeah. forget that, forget that. But um, mm. it's, um, yeah, it's been since since birth, man, since the childhood. I grew up watching, you know, Arsenal, like that great Invincibles team, like all those great players, Ashley Cole, Thierry Henry, Dennis Burkham, all those kind of players, those legendary status, you know? And um, yeah, to me, it's just stuck, man. I've, of course, when I first started, it was it was good times, it was great times, but obviously through my my more seen not you know my my recent years obviously things haven't been as great you know that time where obviously the trophy drought was was crazy under Vanguard you know the amount of abuse we used to get from other fans it's it's not been an easy time especially in school I remember in school times getting abused and and mocked by my classmates but um, it is what it is man you you take the lows or the highs man and I wouldn't have it any other way at all man this club it means so much to me like I love it so much and Mm. yeah it's been a uh, I love it man I can't I can't say anything else 
It's a little bit, yeah. I mean, we, me and you, I guess we have this sort of same, same sort of upbringing where I was, I was brought up in Haringey, so just down the road from you. Mm. Um, but I didn't receive the kind of abuse that you did because <laughs> our school was just, you know, it's all Arsenal fans, really. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of ingrained in me from kind of birth as well. My whole family supporting Arsenal as well. And funny story, I've mentioned this before, and I hate to bring it up <laughs> again, but when I was in primary school, my next door neighbour, who happened to me who happened to be like my best friend at the time. He must've been in like year four or year five. He was a Tottenham fan. Um, and, and we had this thing in primary schools where I don't know whether it was in other schools or not, but in my one, it was like, you, you became best friends with someone for like a week and then you change <laughs> with someone else. And so he was my best friend for the week. And um, we went to the library and he picked out a book and it was, you know, lo and behold, it was a book uh, about Tottenham and um, some of their recent successes. I don't know. I can't remember what it was. I'm pretty sure the book was empty, but, um, <laughs> um, but you know, I, decided I was going to be a Tottenham fan for a week. And no remember, way. Like, yeah, it was crazy. I, I obviously didn't know anything about football to make that kind of judgment. But um, I remember having this, vividly having this conversation with my uncle at the time. He was, you know, a diehard Arsenal fan. He sat me down in front of my whole family and was just grilling me. Imagine like a seven, like six or seven year old kid just, you know, taking hello abuse from, <laughs> from one of his relatives who was supporting Tottenham. No, you can't do this. Do you know what you're doing to yourself, etc. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know, good times, good times. Um, listen, just before we get on to Arsenal chat and you know, some you know, really big news that's been breaking today, um, I want to hand it over to James, who's got um, some exciting news for us. I mean, I mentioned it last week about. Uh, a project that James has been has been involved in. Um, he's been keeping it on a on a hush hush, but um, yeah. uh, you know he's ready to talk about it. And this is something which is you know both inspiring and really eye opening and exciting as well. Um, yeah, for someone you know for someone of James's age as well. I, I, don't, I hope you don't mind me saying. Yeah, um, no, 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 to, to no be worries. making such big statements like this is you know it's truly inspiring. So James, um, take take it away, man. Yeah, I'll keep the I'll keep this brief. Um, yeah, last week uh, I wasn't on the podcast, but I had uh, some big a big thing released with the government. That still feels weird to say. Um, my video was released. Uh, if you know, it's I I can't put it to words the reaction uh, to to the video and the the just the outpouring of love I got from the video on Twitter and. Other in other places, uh, it's still really weird for me to talk about, as you can imagine. But um, yeah, it's about my story, you know, my job story, and uh, how I obviously got got into employment, basically. And uh, because I am a wheelchair user, it, it it was very, you know, hard for me to put it to put the story out there because on Twitter, of course, I haven't really spoken about my personal life at that level before and to put it out there in front of 2000 people who, or ha- however many people follow me is, is a, is a, is a massive thing. So I'm, I was very happy with the reaction and the, you know, the outpouring of love that I got, I got that day and hopefully it leads to bigger things. Yeah. Um, if you guys haven't watched it, I'm sure it's on James. Is it on? Is it on, is it pinned on your Twitter? Yeah, Twitter yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you guys can check it out. You can find him at James Payne AFC. Um, yeah, and it's a great. It is a great story. I mean, I remember when you first showed me. I was thinking, wow, like this is exactly yeah. what the world needs right now. You and know, it, you inspiring know, stories like that. I did. I did stumble on my words purely because speaking about it still makes me. You know, it still makes me go, wow, what. 
because to be linked with the government and to be linked with just last week, uh, a national disability strategy was released uh, to, you know, reform disability in this country. And to be part of that is absolutely amazing. And hopefully I can inspire some some people and, you know, people around the country and they the world. You made the right steps because not only you're a, you're an Arsenal fan, but you're on the show, you know, you're a co-host on the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. So you must be doing something right. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, big up to you and them. Uh, Thank I you very much, man. Respect, many man. More, Respect. Many Thank more you, big, man. Big things coming come your way. I um, hope so. Now let's let's talk about football, right? Let's talk about let's the juicy do it. news. The juicy it's been things a while. that have been. It has been a while, and guys, I'm itching. <laughs> I'm itching. I really am. Um, just before I came onto the show, I was listening to um the hybrid squad. And, you know, Kevin Kevin Campbell and um, Sophie and they had um, Andrew as well from the Arsenal, the Arscast, sorry. Um, one of the shows that I absolutely adore. And they will have some really meaty conversations, you know, and I want to try and get some of that in here with you guys um, and try and give a different angle. But look, the big news today has been taken over by... Um, Barcelona and Messi It's <laughs> overshadowed everything That I wanted to talk about But we have to talk about this Because look I, I think I speak for many football fans Of our generation When I say that Messi introduced this sport to us And gave us a perspective That no one else could have given us We might not be as passionate About football as we are now If it had not been for Lionel Messi um, And so I think a little bit of us we we some you know a tiny insy bit of us inside is a Barcelona fan or a Lionel Messi fan because of what he's done to the sport and what we've witnessed over the years. And to know that he's not going to be playing for Barcelona, to know that he's not going to be playing in those colours, it seems as if. And I know he's not retiring, but it seems as if it is an end of an era, and we are witnessing really the. The the, the 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 end of a of a book of a long book and and the way that it's happened it's just it, it does make me quite sad um but it opens up many questions and many doors to the possibilities of um what could now be almost a turning point for football because over the years Messi has delivered again and again and again and at this point you know he's not a human being we know that um and so as long as he's on a football pitch you know what he's going to do barcelona don't have that anymore at their disposal and for years and for generations barcelona have had the innate ability to just create messies it started off with um from from what i can remember back at, uh, back in the days where when ronaldinho was playing for them and then when ronaldinho had to pass the um, what do you call it? The baton over. Uh, it was over to Messi. And now you look at the squad now and you're thinking, hold on a minute, what's going on? And so where, wherever Messi goes to, you're going to look at that squad instantly and think, hold on a minute, you know, things are getting interesting in football. Um, Presser, give me your initial reaction to this news because an agreement was mm-hmm. made in principle. Like he should, he should have signed a contract today, but for whatever reasons, and some of the reasons are a little bit more complicated than we are led to believe it's to do with La Liga uh, regulations or something like that. Um, that couldn't happen. Mm. I'll just start off by saying, you know, Lionel Messi is not only one of the greatest footballers to ever grace the planet, but one of the greatest sportsmen icons, figures, like iconic figures we've ever had on this on this planet. You know, he what he has done for football, what he has done for sport, what he's done for the Liga and Barcelona especially, 
you know, will never ever be replicated by anybody. Right? I don't care how long we live on this earth, like how long football goes on this earth, there will never be anyone else uh, that will have the impact that he's had. You know, the things he's done to certain defenders and certain clubs has been borderline criminal. You know, we've, <laughs> we've, we've experienced a few times, you know, we've had, a, we've had our beatings a couple of times, not as bad as others, but, you know, we've been embarrassed by Messi a few times, but it's, it's absolutely amazing. But obviously people know how much Ronaldo is probably my favourite player alongside Thierry Henry, but... What Messi has done for the sport is just is unprecedented. Like he, he's an amazing figure, and for him to end his Barcelona career, a 17-year career at Barcelona in this manner, is is disgraceful. And you look at that club, and I know we complain about Arsenal so much, and we complain about our club in terms of how bad we think the finance, how the financial aspect is of it, is um, in terms of how bad, how incompetent certain members of the board are. Um, you just have to look at Barcelona and just look at it and think, you know, it could be worse. It literally could be worse on a global scale in terms of how much prestige, how famous that club is, the amount of money that club has spent over the years. And to see them in the financial ruin they are in right now is, is disgraceful, you know. And for Lionel Messi, your, your greatest ever player, the player that not only in terms of sporting achievements, but in terms of like financial revenue and, you know, obviously ticket sales and merchandise, what he does for that club, for them to lose him in this manner, you know, I, I struggle to see how they're going to recover. You know, I, honestly, the only benefit for them maybe is that the money they were they were going to spend on Messi's wages, they can now use to tie down players they wanted to offload that was going to subsidize Messi's wages. You know, so mm. perhaps in that manner, it may be, you know, a silver lining for them. But they they won't replicate. You know, they won't be able to fill that hole that Messi is leaving behind. And it's, you know, it's, it's sad to see how he goes, man. But hopefully, he goes on to to greener pastures and hopefully he gets a, another Champions League medal with another club. Hopefully, I mean, look, the, the the reports are coming out that Barcelona are in debt of more than a billion euros, which is a hell of a lot of money. So getting, getting him off the wage books, I guess, is a positive if you want to, you know, try and swing it that way. But um, I, I just, James, I just, I just look at this kind of situation yeah. and it paints a bigger picture for me. It paints a picture of um, what next for football, because... Uh, in, in in two respects like first of all what happens to where is the next superstar i mean we're so privileged i don't think people quite understand how lucky they are to be alive in a moment like this i mean mm-hmm. we weren't born in the 30s the 60s the 80s we were born in the glory days to be able to witness a magician do his magic on the football. Two of them. This, this is. I mean, yeah. That's that's the conversation I was going to move on to next. <laughs> this has never been. This has never happened before. Um, and 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 I know who you're referring to when when you talk about Ronaldo. But the yeah. difference for me, the difference between Ronaldo and Messi is Messi is naturally, he was born to play football. God specifically created him so that he can play football. Whereas Ronaldo, on the other hand. And this is, it might get controversial, but Ronaldo, on the other hand, will always be in Messi's shadow because he's playing catch up. Always. I I know it's it's getting controversial. I know. know, But hear me out. Hear me out. Ronaldo, on the other hand, has the work ethic of no one else. I mean, he he is the hardest worker, the hardest athlete, the hardest working athlete in the game. But you know, when you watch football, 
you know when something happens on a football pitch and and for some reason your your lips just they they kind of they rise up on your face. Um, I was watching a compilation of Messi, and um, you know, it's it's the little things. But there was there was there was a moment where he dinked the ball over a keeper. I forgot what game it was, but it was done so perfectly. I just couldn't help but smile. And there aren't many footballers that allow you to feel like that, or allow you to express yourself unconsciously. And that's why when it comes to this Messi Ronaldo conversation, there will always be one winner for me. And that's because he makes it look too easy and he does things that people, human beings, shouldn't be able to do on the pitch and to other people as well. Um, so I'm sure we're going to have, you know, uh, many different arguments for and against why Ronaldo is better than Messi, statistic, statistical reasons. Why can't um, we just appreciate them both? We can, absolutely True. we can. Um, but uh, look, look, the question that I wanted to ask you was, what next for Messi and what next for football? Where do you think his future lies next? And is this, is this, I guess, the, 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 the lights that we needed to see, the beaming lights on how destruct, how destructive, what's the word I'm looking for? How destructive, um, destructive money can really be because Let's not get it twisted. I mean, there might be other individuals who are having, who have their hands in this and who have uh, contributed to this decision being made, but ultimately it is, it comes down to money. Um, so how much, how much light can be shed on the money factor of this? And how does that link to where he potentially might go next and wherever it is, how does that affect then that club? It is a, it's an absolute domino effect, isn't it, really? Um, as you said, Barcelona are in massive amounts of debt. And uh, to get rid of Messi, they must, they must have gone, you know, they must have exercised every last resort. And Messi was that last resort. And, uh, you know, there, there's people saying that, that he may not even go, to be honest with you. There's people saying that this is a, this is a you know, like a kind of tactic for... La Liga to, you know, because apparently his wages are outside of La Liga's uh, regulations. Mm. So people are saying, oh, it's just, a, it's just a ploy to make La Liga soften their wage structure or keep Messi on or do, or do something. But I, I really think that the time is up because yeah. let's not forget he wanted to go last season. Messi uh, wanted to leave Barcelona a couple of seasons ago and... Uh, because he wasn't enjoying it there. So now it seems to come full circle and the, the time is upon us. The time is, the time is now, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I'm in shock, really. I'm stunned, to be honest. Uh, words can't describe the fact that I'm not going to see Messi in a Barcelona shirt anymore. Because I, I feel so bad. I feel so, so bad for the fans. I don't care about the club. I couldn't care less about the club and the people that are leading the club because I think the wrong people are in charge. I think Barcelona have almost a little bit of a replicated model of what Arsenal have at the minute with bad people in charge, making bad decisions and people that have just been employed to do a job rather than passionate people who actually care about the club. Um, and so I, don't, I, couldn't give, I couldn't give a shit about them. It's the fans. It's the, it's the people that go to the stadiums and that 
go there to spe- specifically to feel that feeling um, of watching their team play and win. And it's so, for me, it, it, it's so crushing to know that they're never going to be able to give a farewell to a legend that they will never, ever get ever again. You know, no. um, that for me is just like, I mean, wow. Like, you know, life is mad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Barcelona is such a, is such a big brand in, in the world that when you, when you think of Barcelona, you and see think, oh, Messi, mm. you know, that's the one player I can think of. Now, who's it going to be? You know, they don't have that standout. You could say Aguero, but no. The funniest <laughs> thing, I saw the funniest thing just before I came on. So I just went on Twitter and I went, I was on the, um, what is the, the trending section, right? And so the number one trending thing that came up was Messi. Oh, sorry, no, it wasn't Messi. It was number 10. And the second um, most trending thing that was coming up was uh, Aguero. I'm just thinking, no, 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 no. That can't happen. That can't happen. Um, But yeah, Presser, if you had to pick one location where Messi will be playing next season, where will it be and what club? Yeah, I think it it all points towards PSG, to be honest. I think, Mm. you know, financially, you can only look at teams like PSG, Man City and Chelsea at a stretch. Man United, I don't know, because they're saying now they need to sell more players if they want to sign any more players this summer. So, Perhaps not, but really it's between PSG and Man City. And if Man City are going full steam, oh, they've already gone full steam with a certain signing today. And if they're going through with another uh, marquee English player later, then who knows if they will have the finances for Lionel Messi. As crazy as that sounds, because really, if you have the opportunity to sign Lionel Messi, one of the greatest players, sportsmen ever, you take it, to be honest, even if it's one year or two years uh, past his peak, whichever. But I think he looks like PSG. Apparently, there's already reports that he's already been speaking to PSG. Um, it's only a matter of time before their agreement comes to fruition. So uh, it's, it, that's a dream link up, to be honest. P- well, Messi, Neymar and Mbappe. And maybe that will finally persuade Mbappe to, to sign a new contract because we know he... He hasn't fully committed his future. He's got one year left in his deal. Apparently, he wants to go Real Madrid. So how would this affect the Mbappe situation as well with, with PSG? But it looks like PSG, the only people that can afford him. I did see rumours that people were saying that he'd go to MLS, but you cannot have Lionel mm. Messi. I know, I know no. he's not, not in his prime prime, but he's still world-class. He's still one of the best players in the world today. Like, Well, to be fair, he's probably going to win the Ballon d'Or. So he, mm. you can't have him in MLS. He, he's still got at least two two years, maybe three years at a stretch of his brilliance. So. Players like Messi and Ronaldo, when they're 34 year, years old, they're still very, very high in the sort of form category. You know, it's yeah. not like their legs are getting, I mean, yeah, they might suffer from a couple of injuries here and there, but super duper fit. And when you talk about Messi, I mean, he is just naturally, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's 40 and he's still playing, you know? Mm. Um but James, what, what about you? What do you? Where do you think the next destination lies for for Messi? Yeah, I'm with I'm with Presser. I think it will be PSG. I think financially, you know, it, it will benefit uh, Messi because I think he he will be able to get the the wages he wants due to the untold wealth of Paris Saint Germain. Uh, Neymar will probably would probably be a big factor as well because you know they had uh, some partnership. When they were at Barcelona together, uh, you know, stadium, nice stadium, nice location, you know, among among loads of other things. But Paris Saint Germain is 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 where I'd say, 
and uh, a last resort, if it's not Paris Saint-Germain, I do think it will be Man City. But no, I, I don't. I, do you know what it is with Man City? It's, it's all a bit <laughs> conflicting because on one hand you've got Pep Guardiola openly saying we don't have money for a striker. It's impossible, apparently, uh, according to Pep Guardiola. <laughs> but but, 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 but the other hand, they they've got billionaire <laughs> um, owners. I mean, if if Messi, I guess I guess the, the argument is if Messi comes into the market then it's you know free for all break mm. all the rules that are out mm-hmm. there who cares we need to sign this guy um if you're asking me I, I i totally agree with you guys i think the only player right now who is yet to sort of really flex their muscles in the in the transfer market is psg um and the other location might be the mls um and i was watching if that happens i don't want i don't I- you know, it's it would destroy bad. football. I mean, but yeah. to some respect, in some respects, I think. I mean, we talk about the influence of Messi and how much he has helped grow this sport. I do believe that without someone like Messi, it would have taken a maybe a longer time for the MLS to become what it is now. Um, and so, I don't know. With someone like Messi, it's conflicting because he does seem like the type of person. He's a bit of a diva in the sense that, you know, things have to be right for him. Um, and, you know, being a family man, being in Spain for as long as he has been and having that connection back home, Argentina. I don't know if the MLS, you know, is something where he might look at and be like, you know what, you know, closer to home and Miami maybe with uh, David Beckham paying him a, a pretty penny. Who knows? You know, I, I have, I'm really, I'm afraid to say it, but there's a there's quite a strong possibility there. Mm. I've also read today that, um, you know, I follow one of, the, one of these transfer accounts, the transfer checker, and he made a tweet and said, Messi is absolutely, absolutely shocked that he isn't part of Barcelona anymore. Because he expected to sign a contract today, and uh, it hasn't been done for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, he's pretty shocked, and I would be as well. Because mm-hmm. you know, you spent your whole career there. You know, you you probably had, you know, after you finished playing, you'd probably transition into a coach role or a coach there or something of that nature. And now that seems impossible. So it will be interesting few days to see where this accelerates to. Very interesting. And I guess it's a good segue now to move on to some of the more important news for us people, people who like to wake up and um, feel, suffer, pain. feel pain and torture ourselves uh, every day. Of course, I'm talking about Arsenal Football Club. Um, we've had a few games in the last few weeks. We've got one last game before the curtain raiser of the Premier League new of the Premier League season, um, talking about Arsenal versus, or Brentford versus Arsenal. Newly promoted Brent, Brentford versus Arsenal. Before we talk about that game, let's talk about the last friendly that we just, um, that we've just had. And that's the first game of the, what are they calling this series? Mind series. The mind series, yeah. Um, yep. And Arsenal played Chelsea um, in a friendly that we lost. Usually, you know, friendlies don't really matter much, but when you've arranged it with your 
local rivals, um, it kind of does matter. So I want to have a quick chat with you boys about the significance of this game, what we learn and how much improvement we've made off the back of last season. So Presser, tell me, give me your, just a quick overall analysis of what you witnessed during that 90 minutes um, and what you learned. I think it was a very fun and fast paced match. You know, I think this mind series idea, having the local rivals, London clubs facing each other, well, the big London clubs facing each other, it's, it's, a, it's a good idea. It's, it's a good curtain raiser. It's good, you know, to get the fans in the mood of obviously tasting that rivalry again. And I think it was a, it was a fun match. I, obviously we don't, we don't like to lose. And of course, maybe on another day, it might have been two, two, but they were potentially mm. an offside in, that, in the build up to that goal as well. But, we also could have had a few penalties. He also he Smith Rowe hit the post as well. So I, I I enjoyed the match. I don't like losing, but I really enjoyed the match. I think for me particularly, obviously the results. So these matches don't matter too much, but they do. But in terms of confidence, but I think the performance and the tactical implementation is the most important thing. And I think it was very interesting to see how Ateta played a very high line with Pablo Mari and Rob Holden against a front line that involves Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. You know, I think mm. that was incredibly brave, but I, I like the intention and the aggression of it and, you know, how ruthless he was with it, but perhaps maybe the implementation, you know, when you have a high line, you you need like a, a more ferocious press in front of you. You can't have a high line with like a, a medium press. You have to go full throttle with it. And we, we didn't, we didn't put enough pressure on the ball and, you know, Rob Holden tried to come out a few times and got caught out severally. So yes. I think um, I, I I liked the I liked a few things of what I saw. I liked the attacking play sometimes. I liked I liked the idea of a high line. Maybe perhaps that'll look better with you know with Ben White and Gabriel. But you know I I enjoyed it. And also you have to remember that we're playing Chelsea in a few weeks' time. So maybe Arteta was trying to throw out a curveball to Tuchel in terms of mixing up his style of play and mm. trying to throw the German off you know, off his game plan in a few weeks' time. So we'll see. It was a good match, though. It was a good match mm. for me. I agree. I, I do. I do feel like um, we're seeing the boys get back to full fitness. I think the football is, uh, uh, and I noticed this against who was it against who were we playing before? Uh, Watford. Watford. I did see it uh, more against Watford as well, where the transition from um, playing the ball in our defensive half to the final third is just a lot quicker. Um, there's a lot more urgency to try and get that ball forward. But whilst doing that. We obviously expose ourselves at the back and it makes it difficult when you have players that Havertz and Werner um, and, you know, say what you want about Werner, but the guy is quick, like yeah. lightning fast on the ball. Um, and so, yeah, there, there definitely there definitely needs to be a bit more fine tuning in the way, in the approach. Um, I do appreciate the the mindset, the mentality of just moving it forward um, because I've been sick and tired of, you know, especially during the last few years of Wenger's reign, seeing Arsenal playing that patient build-up and just not <laughs> penetrating quicker. Um, mm. James, I, yeah. I've, I've, I've been banging on about this for a while now, for the last yep. few months. Um, the man of the moment stepped up and he ended up scoring, but he ended up scoring for the wrong team. Um as of now, I mean, hopefully by the end of the window, we get him. But Tammy Abraham scored against us. <laughs> by the way, Presser, this man loves Tammy Abraham. 
I, I wouldn't say I love him. I just think he is. I, I just think I just think he is the ideal candidate for Arsenal's number nine problems. And I tweeted this out the other day. I do genuinely believe that Tammy Abraham, if he signs for Arsenal, he will be the modern day Adebayo. And no one Ooh. can tell me that they didn't love Adebayo. Do you not think so, Prez? I mean, is, is, uh, no, that, is that a controversial statement? No, to make? No, I hear that. Listen, I've 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 made a few edits of Tammy Abraham in an Arsenal shirt, so I'm. I'm kind of on board with you. Um, I won't lie. He's a, he's a, he's a good player. He's not my first my first choice or my main mm. target for a striker for Arsenal, but I like his physicality. I like his kind of play. You know, I think you he, he will fit in well with Arsenal, regardless of what the masses of Arsenal fans say on Twitter. That he mm. will fit in for us. Forget about the fact that he's from Chelsea. Okay, forget about the fact that he scored goals against us and he plays for them. Mm. Right. The the fact of the matter is, Arsenal need a physical Giroud type striker which is a crossover between uh Aubameyang and Lacazette you need all three players mm-hmm. in one and you've got that in Tammy Abraham the guy mm-hmm. is quick he's good on the ball his spatial awareness is great he is confident on the ball he is uh, you know a handful in the box aerial threat and to uh, to top it off, he is young, hungry, and he's looking like he's going to get better every season. Unfortunately for him, Chelsea decided to spend a quarter of a billion pounds last season to bring in Havertz and Werner. And that, that's what pushed him out of the conversation. Um, but had they not spent so much money, we could have probably seen the making of a Jack Grealish um, playing up front. I believe anyway, that might be, you know, going a bit overboard. Um, but look, James, the, the last game, <laughs> the, the defeat against Chelsea, it wasn't great. Um, there were there were some there was some good football, I have to admit. The first there half, was, yeah. it was entertaining. It was um there were some impressive performances. I liked Emil Smith Rose. Um energy and his, I guess, presence in that final third, but something didn't quite tick right. Um, Party ended up getting injured, which is a massive problem for us. I think that the problems that we have are the same problems we had last season, which is in midfield. What do you think about how much we've come, how far we've come from last season uh, to this point? You know what? Um, I don't think we've made massive steps, but I do think we've addressed some some key areas, but we haven't made, you know, huge steps like, you know, other clubs would, but I do think we, we have addressed some uh, areas for, such as, uh, Boyan Sambi Lakonga. Uh, he looks brilliant by the way. Yeah. Um, Nuno Tavares, Ben White, of course. Uh, so we have addressed some areas and hopefully we will do, we will address more, uh, when the window does close. Uh, I do see us getting another midfielder because you said Partey is injured, so I do see us getting another midfielder. Do uh, you? But I mean, uh, rumour has it that Granit Xhaka is about to sign a new contract. I mean, Grant... I, oh, I forgot about that. I actually forgot about... I actually forgot about Granit... I actually forgot about Granit Xhaka. Sorry, okay. But you, you know what? I do think we will get another one uh, alongside Granit Xhaka because I do think Granit will will, you know... I don't think it will start every game. Uh, I may be wrong. Um, but I do think we might get OR still because he, he's apparently holding out for an Arsenal move, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about that. He's just he's rejected Tottenham and he's, he, he's holding out for us. So whether we do make that move 
I would uh, like to think he would reject Tottenham for us. I mean, if he if he ended up signing for them, that would have been you know, a bit of a problem. Um, yeah, it would be. <laughs> but um, I, so this is a good segue, actually, to, to, to the next kind of side topic that I want to talk about, which is um, how many more signings do we need until we're happy? And it's interesting that the club releases, releases a statement. I haven't actually read the full statement, but it's so bizarre that a club releases a statement in, uh, basically telling the fans just calm down we uh, judge us at the end of the window and Wait, we've did, heard it time and time again did um, they do that today i think it yeah it was today i did see something it was uh, today um but i didn't read it so i'm just going off what i've seen on twitter but and i should I should have really read it but um the, we know that the club have released released some sort of a statement saying that saying the words judge us at the end of the um Oh no! It came out from um, what's his name, Arsenal correspondent for Goal. Hey, Charles Watts. Oh, Charles yeah. Watts. Yes, that's the man. Came from Charles Watts, which is a very reliable source. Um, that the club are apparently going to be really busy um, near the end of the transfer window. They've still got a lot of business to do. They they are confident that they will get a number of players off the wage book so they'll be gone whether it's on loan whether it's uh, a sale who knows but um and and apparently that we're, we're going to be bringing in some players as well so judge us mm. at the end of the window is what edu and arteta and vinai um are saying at the minute how mm. how how long do we need to wait before we can actually judge them and and um, yeah how how many more signings do we actually need before we can say right you know what we're ready for next season i think the uh, maybe the minimum 3 3 3 or 4 mm. 3 or 4 is my number um and you know what they're right to say judges at the end of the season because believe it or not there has been some encouraging signs like putting in a 62 million pound bid for madison you know, at the at the start of this window, you 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 would have said, "Oh, Arsenal got a bid for James," and you would you would have laughed. I would have laughed. I would, I would have said, "No chance," you know, because of the season Leicester City had, and you you would think that James Madison wouldn't want to leave after winning the FA Cup, but he does want to come to Arsenal. It seems. Uh, Love Tara Martinez, you know, sixty million pound for him. Tammy Abraham. Uh, I'm not going to mention Aaron Ramsdale because I think that's a piece of. Sh- I'm not going to um, Aaron Ramsdale for 30 million. No, thank you. But you know what? If it was any cheaper, then maybe, but not the in the amount that's being banded around. Um, so I think judges to the end of the window is pretty. I don't think they can say anything else, but I don't know what you guys you guys think. I'm going to play devil's advocate. In fact, no, I'm not going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. And that is, I think it is so unfair for the for the board or whoever put the statement out to say that judges by the end of the window, because I was under the impression that we were going into this window with a bullish approach. We were going to be going into this window with a revolutionized idea and a transformative looking squad at this point, Arteta said it himself, it is crucial, fundamental that we have all of our players in and all of the players out ready for preseason so that we can tinker about and be ready for Brentford because God knows we cannot be playing that type of risky game um, during the season. 
We don't have European football. It is more crucial than ever before that we get Champions League football this season. Europa, Europa League is out of the question. We cannot be playing Europa League football again if we want to maintain this facade, this image that Arsenal Football Club are still great. We are hanging on by a thread. And so I was under the, the impression that Arteta and Edu were going to get their business done nice and early. I understand that the Euros were happening at the time. I understand that the Olympics are happening at the minute. I understand that we are in a pandemic. But you cannot tell me that deals cannot be get cannot be yeah they can uh, they can be yeah because we've made a fifty million signing in in Ben White. Um, City have just signed Grealish for hundred mil, and granted it is City. I understand that, but we can't keep using the excuse that we are in the middle of a pandemic because negotiating um, well is something that Arsenal have never been good at, and so this was the one season that they should have been. <laughs> good enough at so that we bring in the right personality. Um, at the beginning of the season, it was Basuma. Uh, the end of last season, it was Awar. Um, it was Max Ahrens as well. I mean, where have all of those, let's not forget about Lamptey as well. Where have all of those links gone all of a sudden? Presser, give me you know, your yeah. point of view and tell me, sorry, James, finish off your point and then Presser, you can you know, tell me where you, I'm going over. I yeah, I know you speak about this, you know, where are all the links gone? Where are all the links gone? I can't, I'm not an advocate for, I don't work for Arsenal. I don't, you know, I feel the same as you. But all I would say is Arsenal said once that they work in silence, you know. And I, when I hear silence from Arsenal, I hope to think that they are doing, that they're living up to what they said and say, we work in silence and you'll, if we announce something, you'll know about it. But who knows at this point? Who knows whether they're working on something or negotiating with numerous players but yeah I do I do get it I think we're we're very underprepared for this season and um well no I wouldn't say very I would just say a few players and then and then and then we, we'd be we'd be good but yeah it does seem like we are unprepared in in a sense I'm not sure what uh presser thinks but you know, I, sh- I share the same sentiment as both of you. You know, um, I-, I wake up one day and I feel like, why have we not got the players in before our first game of the season? Why are we going into a game against Brent- Brentford away, who will be very up for the game? Why are we going into that game with with only one signing that's going to well? Obviously, the Congo is a very promising signing, and Tavares is a is a good backup to have for Tini. But in terms of like our starting eleven, we've only improved on one player. We've got one better defender, and it's like uh, one day I wake up like that. The next day I wake up like, oh, to be fair, COVID tax, pandemic. You know, apparently the transfer market is a bit slower. A lot of clubs been hit financially. Of course, you know, a lot of clubs have lost, you know, tens and hundreds of millions uh, in revenue over the past, you know, the past year or eighteen months or so. Of course, it's hard, and I and I understand that. But for me, I, I I'm I'm just I'm torn between both both sides of the argument you know I really want us to be prepared for the first game of the season and especially when you consider the amount of big games we have in our first you know first five games it's it's ridiculous and we can't be we can't be bringing in players and you know a deadline day or a week before a massive game and they're gonna have to you know settle in and adjust to our Teta's style of play and what he wants he demands for them and it's gonna take mm. another couple of weeks and maybe a month for them to get the best performances you know it's 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 all too late but I'm 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 quietly confident you know I've Listen, that a couple of journalists have said that they feel like the transfer market is going to pick up a lot in August in terms of like uh, certain clubs and their the fees they're demanding for certain players. You know, their demands will drop. 
And apparently we'll see a merry go round. We'll see more deals being done. So I'm just hoping. Yeah. Because you know, we we need a lot. We we still need a lot. We still need at least an attacking midfielder, another centre mid, you know, possibly a forward depending on who right back. Get. Yeah, a right back as well. Um, another forward depending on whoever goes out of Lacazette and Ketia. You know, we we've got a lot of work to do, and it's like we've got four weeks left or so of the window. Is it four weeks now? Yeah, around that. Mm. But um, mm. we are. It feels like a lot to do, and especially when you consider not just our incomings, but the amount of players we have to shift out as well. Like we don't want to be in a situation again where we're having to unregister players. You know, we can't register for tournaments because we've just got a massive bloated squad, and you've got un- unhappy players on the training ground. Yeah. You know, it's not Absolutely. the ideal situation. Because I I wanted to come into this window and just be like. Listen, I like I like Arteta. I don't agree with a lot of his decisions, but I like him as the face of Arsenal, as somebody who can represent our brand. Mm. And I think he has great potential to be a great coach. I don't think we've seen it yet, but I want us to give him the backing. You know, give him the backing. No, I don't want any excuses going into the season. I don't want any excuses. Give him the players he wants. Give him the type of profiles he wants. You know, he said before he wants to go to a four-three-three, but he doesn't have the players for it. Give him the players he wants. And let's, let's judge him by December is what everybody's saying. But yeah. the way it's looking now, that might have to be adjusted. You know, we might have to get a situation where <laughs> the players, he hasn't got all the players he wanted. And, you know, if we're not doing as well as we are by December, people will say, well, this is not his full, this is not fully his squad. This is not the signings he wanted. So yeah, I, I don't want that situation. I just want to back him. I, I don't believe he's the right man for us at the moment, but I want him to do well. I want him to prove me wrong and I want him to get his players. So we've got a lot of work to do. Especially, we have we have indeed. the The other thing that keeps me com- quietly confident is they're having an all or nothing documentary, and I'm sure Arsenal wouldn't want to be made laughing stock in the transfer market when they're discussing transfers. So we must have some, you know, because you, you I don't know if you've watched Man City's. Yes, it's Man City, but you know all the players they brought in during that documentary. You know, if I'm going to sit down and watch an Amazon documentary about Arsenal and only see three players come through the door mm. and the rest be, oh, we're going to, we're going to, I can just picture it now. Arteta's going to sit in his office and go, he's just going to be on the phone. He's just going to be on the phone the whole time going, oh, we got this player out. We got this. And then they, they're just going to go, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I don't want that to happen. I want there to be action and, and, and progressive, you know, change. But right now it doesn't seem that way. Mm. I very highly doubt that the club are thinking about the Amazon documentary in the middle of the <laughs> no, but you, no, but you would want... You, Guys, you would, we've got a documentary going on. We need to sign more players. But I know what you mean, James. I no, but you, you, you wouldn't want your public image to be, you know, yeah. because it's, it's, it's going on yeah. to Amazon and you wouldn't want your public image to be... You I know. really don't think Arsenal can seep any lower... Any more, I don't think they can humiliate themselves any more than they already have. It's gotten so bad that we can't shift Granite Shaka off our books. That is what we're moving on to next. And that for me is to be fair, that epitomizes what is the problems. The biggest problem is that we don't have the pool that we used that we once had. There was once upon a time, there was a an, an era, there were the golden age for us was having to sell a, a crucial player to either Barcelona or Man City whilst they were coming up. Um, and, you know, when you compare that to what we have now, which is not being able to squeeze 20 mil, 25 mil out of a club for a peak 
Granit Xhaka at his peak. He's 28 years old. He captains his his national side. Um, had a great season last year, I have to say. Um, had a great Euros. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and so you know when when you when you compare the two, um, the decline really does start to just you know. Uh, yeah, I got, yeah, I get what you mean, but also. Apparently, what Roma were offering was really, 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 really small. Hmm. So I kind of agree. I kind of agree with them not accepting. I think it was fifteen million pounds. Or why doesn't or... why doesn't anyone else? There are. I mean, we we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but Granit Xhaka for twenty five mil is a steal for me. If I'm a Premier League club, say West Ham, and any other sort of London club, West Ham, um, you could put Brighton in that equation because they're kind of you know southeast. Um, Brighton, maybe Palace to some extent, and I know they're going through their problems as well. Um, even rivals like Chelsea, they took Giroud off us. It's it's the it's the fact that there aren't even you know, Premier League clubs or clubs from any other country. There's, there's no one else that wants Granit Xhaka. There's Hertha Berlin last year. But why is it so difficult to get players off our books? What's happened? Because that's the, that's also one of the biggest problems. And actually, Presser, you make a really good point when you talk about um, the, the importance of balancing out harmony and, I guess, team morale. Because you don't want a repeat of what we were experiencing last season with Erzo Klasnach and Mustafi, you know, who were obviously dissatisfied with the amount of time that they were being played, being forced out almost, being put in that kind of bubble, that toxic environment. You don't want a repeat of that. So it's important that you have the right balance squad. Um, and, and unless... Granit Xhaka is shifted out unless a team comes in for him. It's going to be difficult to, for Arteta to make the decision to bring someone else in because then you've got a highly influential player in Xhaka in the background, dissatisfied. Um, and, and then this whole contract situation comes into play as well, which I don't know how that sort of helps anything. So can you shed some light on, on, on this situation and make try and make sense of it? You know, for me, it's, it's a crazy situation. Obviously, it's very unprecedented, but I think... Um... You know, if, if if Roma are the only club that are in for him and the offer was around 15 million euros and even 3 million of that was like an add-ons, you know, that's a disgraceful offer for someone of his caliber in terms of, you know, he had the best season of his life last season. He had an amazing Euros. Nobody can deny that. You know, his performance against France was was top tier, like was, was, was world-class. I don't think he's a world-class player, but that performance was world-class. And I think to get only that offer, I don't know what it says about, about Granit Xhaka. Maybe people... That's, maybe he's not that highly rated around Europe or clubs just don't have money. I, I don't know, but um, for that kind of money, I think Arsenal were right not to shift him on, to be honest. And I think if you look at it, so if people are saying that Granit Xhaka is a 15 million euro, you know, value player, I don't think if we were to go around Europe now and, and spend 15 million euros on a, a centre midfielder, I don't think we'd get anything better than Xhaka. So I think it's fine to keep him. The, the new extension or new deal or whatever is... It's questionable. I, I don't know if he's going to sustain his form. It's for five season. years, isn't it? It's five years, isn't it? I think they're saying so. They added another two to his current deal, so I think he's he's four years overall. No, I think. I so think he, so. So he'll yeah. he'll basically re- well. This will be re- his final big deal. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it will be, and that's 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 a that's a that's a crazy statement, but it's good for him, I guess. But I don't know if if we're doing that to protect his values. What people say in terms of. 
Perhaps he might try and sell him on next season or the season after. But this is his prime years. Like he, he's in his prime right now. I don't know how long he has left in his prime, but hopefully we can utilize him. It's going to be very. I know he's a very polarizing figure amongst the fan base. You know, a lot of fans can't forget the mistakes he's made, the amount of times he's lost his head, and even a few times last season he did lose his head. Even though that was his best campaign in the Arsenal shirt, so it's it's hard to it's you know it's hard to gauge, but I think he does have some redeeming qualities. Of course, uh, sometimes his switch of play is quite nice. You know, I think his leadership qualities are good in the dressing room. He's he seems well liked uh, by the players around him, so they respect him, and it's good. We've see, obviously we've seen the the new series that Arsenal.com does, you know, the off the mic series, and we saw how. He was talking to his, you know, his fellow teammates. He's, he's very impressive. It's good to have leaders on the pitch. Um, so in that regard, I'm okay with it. A party and Jack in midfield is not the worst midfield. It's, it's a solid midfield. It's good. It's still fine. Um, as long as we obviously build up in areas of, uh, in front of them, hopefully. But listen, you know, we're, we're stuck with Granit Xhaka. Let's just support him. Uh, people know he's not my favourite player at all, but I, I will support him and hopefully he does well for us this season. Do you guys remember a time where we had a midfield comprising of players like Abu Dhabi, mm. Alexandra Kleb, yeah. Alex Song? Mm. Um, oh, there's a couple that I've, I've forgotten. Um, Flamini, Matis Flamini. Mm. I don't think during that era we ever needed to make the argument for those players that, yeah, they're good, but they've got issues, but it's okay because they have this type of quality that makes up for it. Those were top tier midfielders. Those were gems. Those were creme de la cremes that left us in in their peak times, you know, in, in, in their most valuable moments in their footballing career. They made the mistake to leave for Barcelona and wherever it was, and they ended their careers short. Um, but when we're now at a time where we have to make these arguments for players like Granit Xhaka and mm. putting aside, you know, all the personal beef that he's had with fans or all of the moments of madness, I just don't think Granit Xhaka is good enough to elevate Arsenal to the next level. And so it's so confusing for me, and not, not confusing, but it's so frustrating for me to hear the argument of, well, you know, we know what we get with Granit Xhaka, but he's got good qualities about him. He had a great season last year. He makes a great partner with part A. I get all of that. I'm happy with Xhaka as a midfielder. I think he's a solid player, but he's not good enough to move Arsenal to a top four um, place next season. I don't think anyway. And and at the moment, it's a, it's a part, it's, it's a, a Xhaka and El Nenny partnership. And God knows. <laughs> God knows oh, God. no one needs to see that. The most dire oh. central midfield partnership I've seen in all my years of watching Arsenal are those two. Because it seems as if the moment that they meet each other on a football pitch, they forget the meaning. They forget the definition and, and the purpose of playing football, which is to score goals. Um, the sideways passing is just unreal, unbelievable. But there is some light we did see <laughs> we did see a player come on against Chelsea score a goal that was wasn't even recognized for it even to be disallowed but um Joe Willett came on looked really really bright he had an incredible season uh last year with well not last year last season with Newcastle and 
rumor has it, there have been some reports that a 25 million pound bid has been accepted by Arsenal. I don't know how reliable these sources are. Um, I think it was 90 minutes football that first announced that first made the announcement that this, this offer was accepted by Arsenal. Um, but Newcastle, we know it's not, you know, it's no secret that Newcastle have been wanting him. Of course they would want him after the incredible job that he did for them last season. James, can we afford to lose someone like Joe Willock when he is almost at his prime at the minute and when he's, you know, delivering performances like he did against Chelsea, number one. Number two, is Willock is is Willock an example of what Arsenal need to do in order to get the business done this season? Because for me, it's players like Willock, Nelson and Ketia that need to be shifted out. But on the flip side, it's players like Willock, Nelson and Ketia that if you keep for long enough and you risk it, then maybe you will. Um, pressure makes diamonds at the end of the day. So who knows what they might turn into? Yeah. Um, look, Joe Willock for me, I think... I think that I think I think he will go. I think he will go to Newcastle. Uh, I think you will see him in the Newcastle shirt at the end of this season, at the end of this transfer window. Sorry, um, and I do think he will be cashed in on. Uh, you know, I do think there is a little bit of you know we let him go too early, but you know you you only have to look at his Newcastle record to to see how much of an influence he had on that squad. At the little time, at the little time he was there, and it, it's a no-brainer for for Newcastle to go back in for him. Apparently, they're using all their transfer budget this season for Joe Willock. I read that somewhere as well. Um, maybe Arteta as well doesn't doesn't see a future either. So maybe James Madison may be the replacement. <laughs> Do you think Arsenal have the pull power? And I I mean this like with all the genuine. Um, genuinity is that even a word? Um, genuinity, genuinity. Yeah, I'm not bullshitting when I say this. When I ask you this question, I'm being absolutely serious. Do, do you think Arsenal have the pull power to bring in someone like James Madison? And I feel absolutely to ask that question. Absolutely, absolutely. Because one, the player wants to come to Arsenal, and without that, you know. Without that, yes, there's no chance. But if the player wants to come, you're already one nil up. Uh, two, I think Arteta has a way with words. You've you've seen the the countless amounts of time he's had to dig players out. You know, Granit Xhaka, he convinced Granit Xhaka to stay on another season when he seemed out of the exit door. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you know, I'm using it as an example. Yeah. Um, um, who else? Um, was that there was another player as well? I can't think of his Yeah, Abamiang. Um, if you're thinking about other, other people within the club, Gary O'Driscoll, the yeah. the 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 doctor, he was gonna leave until I said, Look, listen to me, I want you to stay, you're you're part of my plans. Uh so yeah, I do think we have a we have uh, the capacity to get the deal done. Presser, James Willock. James Willock? Yes. James Willock. What a player that would be. <laughs> Joe Willock. Joe Willock. Uh, polarizing player for, I think, all the wrong reasons. I mean, he is um, 
it's he's a he's a weird case study because here you've got someone who is everything that is almost the polar opposite of what Arteta is trying to accomplish. He seems like the most unconventional midfielder in Arteta's system. But whenever he goes, I mean, we saw it, you know, last season um, when he was at Newcastle, when he's given the freedom to do what he wants. Um, and almost it's a little bit like, I guess, Maitland-Niles, but less so because we didn't get the kind of impact last season that we had with Willock. Um, but whenever he, he's given the creative capacity and the freedom to do what he wants, I think I heard once last season, there was a quote that came out that um, uh, Bruce told him to just, I think it was like 80th minute. He just said to him, just, just go on the pitch and just do what you need to do. And he went on and he ended up scoring an equalizer for them in like the 90th minute or something. Um, but when he's given that sort of freedom, he shines and he excels. Do you think he'll ever get that kind of ability, the, the freedom to kind of uh, replicate that kind of stuff? Um, in an Arsenal shirt, will he have the confidence to be that ballsy and bold, bold? Sorry, not bold, bold. Um, <laughs> as he as he as he was at Newcastle. Do you think Arsenal should sell him, or is this a player that we need to keep hold of and um, try and get the best out of this season? Uh, firstly, in terms of the freedom he'll get, I don't think he'll get such freedom at Arsenal, especially under Arteta. In terms of obviously at at Newcastle, sometimes they play with five at the back. You know they. And they have the two forwards up up front, sometimes splitting or sometimes going through the middle. I think, you know, the, the role that Willick was used in uh, at Newcastle was he was given that free role in the middle where he could, you know, he could either carry the ball from the edge of his own box and go to the final third or arrive, you know, at the end, late in the box, at the end of crosses. I think he had that freedom to make the decisions in terms of his own movement. But at Arsenal, it might be a bit more restricted, especially in the 4-2-3-1. Like, we don't know. I doubt, obviously, he'll get any time or chance to play as a number 10, the 4-2-3-1. And in a pivot, uh, alongside Party or Xhaka, he, he obviously won't have the license to go forward either. I think, you know, the ideal situation for him would be, obviously, if Arsenal moved to a 4-3-3 and he had a, you know, not maybe not a starting position, but definitely he's coming on at least every game and he may start some matches against smaller teams. You know, I think that would be ideal for him. But I really think, you know, with Joe Willock, when you look at this guy and a player that literally, if you put the goals uh, of all our four centre midfielders last season, he literally outscored our whole midfield. Like it's yeah. it's outrageous that we we have to sell him now because we can't shift anyone else for any kind of good money. You know, if you if you gave me the list of all the players that like we said at the start of the window, there was like at least like twelve players that we're thinking of. Oh, these players might go this summer. You know, Joe Willock for me would be the last on that list. Like he'd be the last person I would sell out of all those players that were. We're linked to him and Leno. That's for me in terms of the players I would not sell out of our transfer list. And you know, for 25 million, when you see the kind of prices that Chelsea and Liverpool get for their English youngsters, it's just mm. for me, it's just a it's an awful price. But the situation we're in, we can't shift anybody else for any kind of money. And apparently we need to shift these players, you know. So um, in terms of obviously, apparently we need to shift them to get our own kind of money, and also we have a, such a bloated squad. So for me, um, I, I really like Joe Willock. I think he would do well at Arsenal. He would do well in the four-three-three in that box-to-box role. So obviously, in the box in the four-three-three, sometimes you have the deep line playmaker or the destroyer, and then you have the box-to-box, and then you have the more advanced midfielder. I think he would be the perfect link, the perfect transition player for us. But it's mm. not it's not looking like he'll get the opportunity at Arsenal. So if we have to sell him, we have to sell him, and hopefully it's more than twenty-five mil because for me that kind of price is. It's, it's, it's not enough for 
what he's done in the Premier League. Like literally just last season alone, he's done a lot more than these youngsters that are going for a bigger price than him. So it's unfortunate. Mm. He strikes me as like the perfect super sub, um, mm. and and you know being the being a really unconventional central midfielder or attacking midfielder, whatever position he plays, um, mm. it, it seems to you know kind of work in Arteta's favour because he's got the ability to come on and change the system a little bit and cause problems for the opposition because the opposition are going to be catering um, their they're going to be catering their shape for whoever they're playing against and preparing for games, the manager will have said, well, this player will be playing in this sort of role. So you guys need to be in this shape or you guys need to make sure that you're following this player, blah, blah, blah. But with someone like Willock, it's so like extreme, the the kind of difference in style that he plays compared to any of our midfielders, Shaka, Partey, Elneny, um, I guess maybe you could say there's there are similar traits between him and Emil Smith Rowe, but to keep someone, I mean, if if there's one area that Arsenal are, are missing, it's depth, um, a serious amount of depth and good depth as well. We're not talking about El Nenny type depth with all due respect to him, um, but for someone like Willock, if you keep, if you keep hold of him, you know you've got someone who can come on and create some sort of an impact. Um, I do think it is still early days. I do think that there there is still a lot to prove um, whether he's the real deal or not. Obviously we, we, we yet to see, I do agree with James and yourself that by the end of the season, he might be in a Newcastle shirt. Um, let's see, let's see what happens. Um, the club say that a lot of business is going to be done from now until the end of the season, sorry, the end of the window. So um, yeah, uh, I guess we just play. I guess we got we we just got to remain positive. I've seen so much. I try and I try every 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 day. I wake up. I look at Twitter, and you see all the transfer news. So I, you know, I've not been seeing much from Arsenal, and uh, I just hope that we 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 have something spectacular up our sleeve. I've just read there that they believe that the Martinez deal is completely ruled out. I hope that's not the case. Um, I just hope we have a plan. I really do because we'd need one desperately. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to face another season of decline. And it is and it is really a question of whether we can um, move on these youngsters that have come up through the ranks. And this is where Arsenal make their money. They produce youngsters through Hayland. They either bring them into the first team where they shine or they bring them into the first team and they're moved on very quickly. Um, and so when you talk about players like Nelson and Ketia, um, I don't know whether there are other people, but Aziz is coming up the ranks as well. What kind of season is he going to have this season? Who knows? You've got um, centre-backs that have already gone out on loan. I know, is it, did Ballard go out on loan to Blackpool? Was that last? He did, I believe. Okay. Um, So yeah, there are a number of players that are being sort of, uh, they're, they're, they're on that route. They're on that trajectory. Palace seem to be interested in Reese Nelson, but only on a loan deal. Uh, who knows what's going to be happening with Nketiah? And actually, the number nine role is something that I wanted to discuss with you guys. I don't think that enough emphasis is put on how important the number nine role is, because not only does it, I guess, fine, finely tune and um, not not only is this the 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 place where we get the goals from, but it's also one of the most crucial positions that tie up all the loose ends that 
allow us to create the goal scoring opportunities with Aubameyang and Lacazette. I said this to Harry last week and he seems to disagree with me, but I don't see 15 to 20 goals from each of them going into next season. How important is it that we try and get a number nine, young, hungry, someone who is a proven goal scorer and someone who's only going to be scoring more goals? Um, Presser, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly important. I think last season, uh, most of our woes came from obviously mainly the creativity in terms of uh, we, we couldn't create as many chances until ESR came into the team. But, um, you know, the, the few chances we were getting, and it's obviously not fair to to obviously blame a striker for feeding on scraps, but the few chances we were getting, we weren't converting as as much as we could have. But um, I, I feel... This is, um, even during preseason as well, like in terms of Aubameyang's form during preseason has been has been worrying for me. I've, people know how much I love Aubameyang and how much I always yeah. defend him. And people, you know, he was getting a lot of abuse last season, but I was always uh, riding for him and stuff. But I think some of the chances he's missed this preseason, it's, it's a bit worrying. I'm happy that he's finally getting chances and we're creating chances for him because I've always said that he's the kind of player he... You know, before obviously in the lead up to the FA Cup, you know, before last season, he he was outperforming. You know, his XG, he was he was literally carrying us on his back. He was carrying the attack on his back. You know, in terms of he was netting like one in two. It was ridiculous his his conversion rate. Now, well, this preseason he's not netted at all. But I'm 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 a bit happy that he's getting some chances that we're actually seeing him in positions now where I can say, cool, it's not just a setup of the team. It's not the tactics of Marcel. It's cool. Aubameyang is literally missing his firing boots now. And I believe, you know, when you look at his career for the past, well, whatever, eight, 10 years, you know, history tells you that he he nets, he scores goals, he bangs goals for fun. So um, um, I think I think he will come good. If we keep playing this the way we are, we keep creating the amount of chances we do, he he will net, he will come good. Um, Lacazette, obviously, is not uh, the most clinical striker, but he has strengths in other places, you know, uh, other departments, which is fine. But I, I feel... The club know. I think the club also do know that we need another striker. You know, I think Lacazette, the fact we haven't offered him a new contract at all, and we're happy to we're happy to um shift him on. I think, you know, the fact that the Lataro Martinez links are coming out and the Tammy Abraham links are coming out, it's not a coincidence. I think we are looking. I think Balogun I think he should go on loan, to be honest. I, I really think mm. he should go on loan. And I think obviously Nketiah will get a move as well. So I think I think Arteta knows the club do know we need some goals. We need some reinforcements in that department. And I'm hoping, I'm praying that they do bring at least one person in. We'll see. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the point that you made about Balogun hasn't been made enough. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big sucker for young players who are up and coming that mm. they get the right route that they are taken through the right sort of um, checklist. I think all youngsters should have a checklist that they need to tick off. And one of them, before you start, unless you are Bukayo Saka, which is, mm. you know, how rare is that? Yeah. Um, you should be going out on loan before you play first team football. Mm-hmm. I appreciate how hungry he is and I appreciate his desire and his confidence, but let's have it right. One poor performance in the Premier League in a stadium packed full of fans you know you're not Superman you're not you can can have the biggest ego in the world but Mm. when you log on to social media on that night and when reality hits you after you've missed that open uh, that open goal or whatever it is that 
could be detrimental for the rest of your career. That could be, you know, like a, a no turning point. So, and I think young players need to start appreciating that fact more and they need to start, I think, all young players, I mean, the ones that make it into the first team, they have to have a bullish mindset. They have to have a, a kind of a, a tunnel proof vision, a tunnel vision where, um, every, you know, background noise is etched out and the, the the goal is just in front of them figuratively and, and um, um, what's the other word I'm looking for? Mentally. Metaphorically. Metaphorically and, um, um, oh God, what is the word? <laughs> What, literally or? Literally, oh my God, that is the word. Thank you. <laughs> Metaphorically and literally. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think this there needs to be a culture created for these young players that it's okay to follow this kind of route. It's okay to pace yourself. It, in the last few years, young players have been accelerated far too quickly. You look at Sancho, you look at, um, you know, I say again, Saka, Greenwood, um, Juan Bissaka. Who else? I think that Palace Foden. at the minute. Say that again. Foden. Yeah, yeah Foden is a big one. Um, there's there's a player at Palace at the minute, Eze. Eze. An, an incredible, incredible talent, but one as well that needs to be just, you know, things need to be running their course at their own time. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that, but I hope that Arteta, you know, and I think he's, I think there's one, if there's one thing I love about Arteta is that he knows how to progress these players properly. And if they're not ready, then they're not ready. Um, and I guess that's why I, I give him a lot of respect for the way that the Saliba situation, I mean, maybe not how it was handled, but I appreciate not being, um, not falling on that pressure, on that peer pressure to just play him. Because, you know, he costs X amount and because he has put in X amount of good performances for uh, Nice. If he's not ready, he's not ready. And, you know, who better to make that judgment than Arteta, than the coach, the, the guy that sees them every single day. Um, let's wrap up by talking about the final preseason friendly before we um, head over to the Brentford game. And mm -hmm. what better than to play a North London derby? <laughs> before, before I don't think this is has this has this ever happened before? Have we played Tottenham in a preseason friendly? I don't remember. I I, I don't no. know. Maybe they have, but you know, probably in this, when television was still black and white. Um, <laughs> but look, James, yeah. no matter how you dress it up, it's a North London derby. Yep. This will have. The result will have repercussions on the first game, on, on the game against Brentford. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care whether it's preseason friendly. I don't care whether it's for, you know, full, is to get to full fitness or to try out new tactical arrangements. Whether you win or lose, this will have repercussions yeah, on the Brentford game course. in terms of morale and confidence. Um, what do you think Arsenal, what do you think Arteta has in mind for this top of the game? Well, uh, I think. You can't take it lightly, even if it's a preseason game, you know. And they drew to Chelsea, I think, yesterday, 2 2, didn't they? Excuse me. Yeah, you but can't take did. it lightly. You can't take it lightly. It's a North London derby. I don't care whether it's preseason or not. Have to start on the front foot and, you know, try and win. Uh, I think we need to win by four goals to win the mind series altogether. Uh, so that's the task in itself. But hopefully we can get it done. 
hopefully. Do you, do you think Arteta is going to play, you know, full strength? Do you think we're going to see a squad that is, um, that, that, that will mirror what we see against Brentford? In fact, give me your, your predicted starting 11. Ooh, oh God. Um, I think it will be a mix. I think it will be a mix, to be honest. Uh, I think you'll see one, one team in the first half and then one team in the second half because it is still pre-season friendly, to be honest. But there has to be an element of, of um, seriousness to it because we are fast approaching that Brentford game. Uh, as for my starting eleven, uh, I couldn't really tell you, to be honest, because I don't know who we're going to bring in from now until Brentford. So in, from now until, you know, I don't know. Well, it's only uh, two two or three days. I don't think Arsenal are going to be signing anyone. I, I, I highly doubt, and if they do, good on them, but I highly doubt Arsenal will bring in anyone between now and Sunday, which is like three days. Um, and uh, I know that part is injured as well, which is like a completely other sort of headache to think about. Yeah, um, not too sure. Maybe you can help me out with that one. I'm not sure. Pressard, to give me the give me the significance of this game, and actually, just just tell me how you approach this game because for me, I've said it. Um, this is the the final experiment that Arteta has. He's been banging on about the importance of having a preseason. He's had a preseason now. This has to be really taken quite seriously before Brentford. One hundred percent. Yeah, this is this is the last chance we will get to see what his intentions are for the season in terms of how he wants us to play, uh, what he demands of certain players. This is what, this is like the final dress rehearsal uh, yeah. before the big show. We will see certain things in this match. Like, like I said, with the Chelsea game, I was encouraged in terms of some of the things I did see. <laughs> obviously there was mistakes and obviously there was certain scenarios that left us exposed, but I was impressed and I was happy to think, okay, if we're going to play like this, this season, I'm, I'm encouraged. I, I've got high hopes, maybe, but um this game, we, we will see fully where he went. Maybe he might go back on what he saw last uh, last week and he might feel perhaps his team's not ready for this, like the players I have is not ready for the style I want still. Or he might go full steam ahead and just go, you know, and be, and be stubborn with his philosophy, which is which is fine. Obviously, we see Pep Guardiola do that, regardless of the players he has. So um, it's, it's a serious game. You know how Arsenal Twitter is. Like, if we lose... There'll be a meltdown. You know how it, it is. will be. <laughs> yeah, especially against Tottenham. Like this, there's the worst opponent. It's either Tottenham or Man United are the worst opponents to play in this kind of pre-season friendly. You know, like regardless if we if we lose, you know, it's gonna be mad. If we if we win, you know, I don't know if we'll get carried away and then you join that with a Madison signing a week later. This, you know, Arsenal two will be an ecstasy. You know, we'll be mm. we'll be going crazy. But I think you know it's good to test ourselves against Tottenham. Regardless of how we look at them as our little brothers and we don't see them as, you know, a big club or whatever, they unfortunately they are our top six rivals or top four rivals, whichever way you want to look at it. So and we're playing them soon as well. So it's another dress rehearsal again for that mm-hmm. that scenario. So it's it's a big game. We need to see we need to see Arsenal at 80% now. You know, we've gone through preseason now. We're it's not just oh, this is still preseason. This is the last game of preseason. This is the last chance to get that full fitness and that full match fitness, those full tactics in place so ooh, it's, it's, it's a big game regardless of yeah. don't let anyone tell you it's not a big game it's a big game for us absolutely it is and um, yeah I just hope we put in the show because Harry Kane won't be there mm. yeah I think on... that I hope Tottenham actually turn up for this game because I hear that they're all still they've sent a search brigade and the, now the starting 11 are uh, having uh, having to fork out their time to, <laughs> to look for Harry Kane <laughs> yeah um so hopefully we will um, 
do a job because it's the first time we're going to the stadium as well, fans. I go into the stadium for the first time. The shite heart lane, as is known. Um, but yeah, I hope we can put a job in. I think that um, in order for, for, for fans... Look, if we lose, I can only be happy with one outcome if we lose. And that is we put in a stellar performance and I can clearly identify the ideas that Arteta is putting out yeah. for next season. And there's, if there's one thing, there's one bit of credit. I mean, I've given so much credit to Arteta already this episode, but um, an, another key fundamental thing that Arteta has in his, pardon the pun, his arsenal, is that <laughs> he, um, he, he, he's so good at, he's so good at identifying his ideas. He's so good at, displaying them out on the football pitch. Um, and that's something that I really appreciate about a coach, about a modern day coach is what they want to do and how easy is it to see. Um, and I think most of us can pick out the path through what kind of avenue Arteta wants to play when we're attacking and how we like to defend when we don't have the ball. Um, but that's not good enough for us because we didn't end up finishing top four. We didn't win a trophy. Um, it was one of our worst seasons. And so I guess it's good to see Arsenal playing nice football and developing ideas, but we now need to see these loose ends being tied up. And I now need to see how we've excelled from the last game of last season up until now. And I, I can't see that. And that's a little bit worrying for me. Um, I'm hoping that it is just a case of it being preseason friendlies and that when Brentford comes around, um, the boys will be in the mindset of, right, we are, we're here now. This is the first game of the season. It's mm. time to knuckle down and get the business done. Um, just before we end, actually, we were talking about central midfielders. This this guy's name just popped into my head randomly. Does everyone still remember we've got Torreira in our books? Like he's still an Arsenal. Player. <laughs> he's leaving. He's going. Well, he but was, don't he? But I haven't heard any reports of. He's uh, in Madrid uh, yeah, right now. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, he's he's in Madrid right now. I saw some uh, videos of him training and um, stuff, looking really good. But um, yeah, it, it, what's going on with him? There's been no news about what's going on with Torreira. I think um, he will yeah go on James go on. no I, I just think he will he will go uh, because of all the news coming out that um, all the personal issues and I think he I think he's finally happy in Madrid I think uh, but does Atleti want him because it was I was under the impression that he was quite frustrated that he wasn't getting game time he was sitting on the bench quite often and uh, I think Atletico Madrid I think Arsenal were quite close to calling him back out, uh, back from loan weren't they no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe Arsenal Press, do you want to? No, yeah, I heard, I heard the same thing. I mean, the reports that were coming out of Spain in terms of, uh, obviously, he wasn't getting that game time. He wasn't as happy. You know, he still wanted, He still got his winner's medal, which is great for him, a great experience for him. But, you know, I, I haven't seen any kind of reports about Atletico Madrid wanting to, you know, take him on load again or sign him permanently. I've not seen anything like that. The only, the only link I've seen is um, 
apparently Lazio are in talks with him. You know, he wants to go to Italy as well. But mm. one thing is for sure, he he does not want to come back to Arsenal at all. Or well, not maybe let's not say Arsenal, but let's say England. He doesn't like the environment he's in in England, and obviously personal matters and uh, things that have happened to him is you know, of course, is understandable. His situation in terms of wherever he feels comfortable, he will play his best football. So um, apparently that's either Italy or Spain for him, and. It's strange. It's, it's, it's disappointing, man, because when he first came and we saw the amount of man in the match awards he got and some yeah. of the performance he put in, you know, we were, as Arsenal fans, as, as we always do, we got carried away. We were putting him in the same sentence as N'Golo Kante, you know, that was a, oh, that was a crazy, crazy comparison. But um, he, he I, yeah. I had high hopes for him, man, and I, I think he would still do a job for us, but he doesn't obviously fit Arteta's style of play. Um, and we've seen with Arteta, if you don't fit him, if you don't fit his style of play or his mentality, you know, he ships you out regardless of what the fans think of you. So um, it's unfortunate for Torreira, but I, I think they're saying that he will get a loan in Italy. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, can can I just clarify that the hype on Arsenal Twitter um, for signing Messi is just all banter, right? We're not actually... Serious. Well, <laughs> it, it, you never know, you know. We, we're still, we still got that invincible juice, you know. We still oh my got, god! Oh, oh my pool, god! You know? Oh dear! Oh dear! Um, yeah. Okay. Let's let's all just it come is back free, down. So we wouldn't, we to, wouldn't have um, to pay. We wouldn't have to pay a transfer fee. That's yeah, but we, we, we'd need to pay over a hundred mil for him just to keep him. But yeah, forget uh, forget it, Madison then. Forget Madison. Yeah. Forget Locatelli. <laughs> forget all these other midfielders. Just get Messi. That's it. Oh my God! Can you imagine? <laughs> That'd be great. Uh one can dream. A little story for you. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Messi actually had a trial at Arsenal before he went to Barcelona. So. Yeah. I was watching Maybe a, he remembers that Yeah I was watching an interview um, That Wenger gave ages ago And he was just saying Yeah we almost signed him We almost signed him Fabregas And so sorry they We signed Fabregas But it was supposed to be Fabregas, him and um, uh, PK um, wow. But we <laughs> Can you imagine Wow, wow. Um, But yeah we ended up Only getting Fabregas Which yeah, didn't work out It worked out pretty well for us um, Not in the long run But yeah one can dream, I guess. One can dream. Um, yeah. And on, and on that note, I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, I'm going to end. I'm going to end the the episode this week. Um, I want to say a massive thank you to, to AP Arsenal Presser for coming on. Thank it's you, man. A real pleasure much, having man. you. We've had a really, really insightful chat, and hopefully, you can come back on sometime again. Oh, Absolutely, I would love to. Hundred percent. Thank you, guys, for having me on. No worries. No worries at all. And for for the rest of you guys that are listening, um, me and James also want to say a massive thank you for the continued support. It's been really quite humbling to see so many of you guys listening to the show, Um, the growth as well, the progression of this show. It's good to know that people are actually interested in listening to our voices. So like my voice, like I don't really find my voice. I mean, my my wife (laughs) says it all the time when she's listening to like a few minutes of the podcast, she's like, you really need to work on the way that you deliver uh, um speaking i think and I'm you like, do agree i'm the no, right to it you know what i i totally agree because i have to listen back to it when i'm like um uploading it just to make sure that it sounds good yeah why, why am i doing this to myself anyway <laughs> uh, i want to say a massive thank you to you guys honestly the support's been great um you can continue supporting us by giving us a five-star review on apple podcast that'll be absolutely incredible um and for whatever reason if you want to reach out to us you can do free of yes. charge by the way um you can find us on twitter you can find me on twitter at Gunner since 96 you can find James at James Payne AFC and you yeah. can find Arsenal Presser at A 
Presser V2. May I just say as well, it's great to be back. Uh, I didn't realise how much I missed the chat we had, we, we normally have on these uh, podcasts. It wasn't my best episode, I don't think. But, uh, oh, don't be silly, mate. Don't be silly. You know, we're back now. We are back. We are back. Actually, it's so funny you say that. I was playing FIFA like um, before the before I came on, and um, um, you know, funnily enough, I'm managing. I, I love career mode for some reason. I'm one of those weird guys that play career mode all day long, and um, I'm the manager of Barcelona. And um, oh. Usman Dembele was injured for like three months, and before he got injured, he was like banging in goals, like left, right, center, so good. And then after he came back from his injury, he's been really sluggish now. And this, yeah, it's just funny you say that, James. I'm not saying that you, you've been sluggish, no, you're yeah. absolutely brilliant. You've been brilliant. I can, um, yeah. Um, I just wanted to draw that. And um, another thing as well, I don't think I I said this at the beginning very well. Uh, just thank you again for the video. Uh, it, it generally made me, made my day and it was the most, probably the most surreal day of my entire life. Uh, to see that uh, that love that I got for the video and hopefully a lot more people see it and it gets put around. Uh, thank you for, you know, the government for sharing it because it's a big, it's a big thing to be associated with that. Uh, yeah. Just, just thank you really. Thank you for sharing your experiences as well. I know how, um, how much of a big deal it is to be so open about uh, something so dear to you. So yeah, good on you. Good on you. Thank you. Um, Cool. So yeah, let's leave it there. Um, we'll be back next week for another episode after the North London Derby, the dreaded North London Derby. Um, we'll be back then. Take care of yourselves until then. And God, I've really messed up this, this, uh, the, 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 the goodbye. I usually do it quite well, don't I? Presser, can you just end the uh, podcast for us, please? Just um, try and end it. Go on then. Uh, listen, uh, keep supporting Arsenal. Love the players, love Arteta, and we'll be in Tottenham. Take care. Bye-bye.